sorry. I hit the wrong <laughs> button. I'm so good. Oh my gosh. Because I'm Batman. Yeah, thanks everybody for joining us. Another special edition RC After Hours. And uh, we got something cool we're going to talk about tonight. And it's not a Sunday morning. So if you're listening to this, we already recorded and we already know what's coming. But we're going to talk about it here shortly. So let's get right into it. Joining us back in the studio for... It's been so long, I almost forgot your name. Oh, man. And we drug you Look out of you. your tree stand. Yes, yes. And into the Middle studio. Middle gun season. The fact that I'm here is unbelievable. Mike Coolens. Welcome Hello, back. Guys. Welcome back. It's great to be back oh. in the Million Dollar Studio. Hey, I'm excited. It's awesome. And I'm of, so glad to get back. <laughs> and, of course, everybody's favorite crazy Canadian up there in the great white north, Andre the Tree Russo. <laughs> back. Yeah. At least I'm not in a tree. Yeah, I was going to say, I might have that title because I'm going to become one here shortly. (laughs) (laughs) And I think this could be everybody's favorite special guest so far. And I promise it's not going to be a three-hour podcast, but we did have fun. (laughs) Again, bringing him back, Alpha Enos from Motion RC. Welcome Welcome back. Yes. Hey, guys. I'll tell you what, I got a lot of good feedback from uh, that podcast. Even though it was three hours, I was a little nervous that people were going to like, you know, you talked for over two hours before you even talked about, you know. And, but no, they were really, really positive about it. I said A lot of people said that was one of our best podcasts we ever put out. So was I was really excited fun about to do. that. It, it surprised me too as, as far as we got a lot of good feedback, which is nice. Good, good for us, yeah. obviously. But um we're down to try new things, and our customer family seem to enjoy it. So, good. So, I guess I'm back. We'll try to keep it. Uh, I mean, I yeah, guys, know. we're not. Uh, we we do Let's have. See. We are going to release a new product. We're going to talk about and everything. We are going to talk a little bit before we put it out. But if you really think about what we're talking about, you're going to get an idea what uh, is coming and what we're going to talk about. But. We're, we're not going to be here for three hours. I promise you that. We're just going to get into the, the meat of everything and get going and uh, so you guys can see what's coming out here shortly. Um, oh, yeah. So I think one reason, Mike, I wanted to bring you in is um, <laughs> the podcast we had with Alpha, we, had, we were really talking about jets and diving into jets and how you know everybody's coming into RC and they want to fly jets, but they're not ready to fly a jet, but then sure. they go out and they buy a jet. Of course. And then they try to fly the jet and the jet the most, ends up in the tree. You know. They're the most enticing exactly. things to look at. Everybody wants a jet. Sure. So what Motion has, and, and another thing too, is we're coming into winter and a lot of times you know, you got to have something on floats or you got to have something that flies good on skis or a high wind or something. You know, it's not like you're going to take your big, you know, bomber out and fly it around in the snow. Yeah. You know, you yeah. might might get it to take <laughs> off, but the landing could be ugly. Yeah. Right. So it, it's a tough time finding things that work good in the winter, you know, or, you know, fly sure. good. So 
what we're going to talk about is Motion RC has a whole slew of different 64 millimeter ducted fan hand launch jets. And they're absolutely perfect for winter. And there's several reasons, and we'll let yeah, Alpha, I hear all the yeah, reasons, get obviously. into that. But one, Mike, they're they're cheap, like under a hundred dollars cheap. So it's not like you're spending a ton of money. You know, you worry about crashing. They fly, you know, relatively easy. I'm not gonna say like super easy like a trainer, but sure. if you got a little experience and you know your orientation and and got the sticks down, you're not gonna have a problem with sweet. this. Sweet, sweet. The other cool thing I like about them is most jets you gotta fly the big batteries, you know, at least yeah, four cell, exactly. six cell. They do a hundred miles an hour and you're shaking and <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't yeah. Enjoy so that that's why you're anti jet. Mike, these things fly on a three cell, one thousand to a twenty two hundred uh, three cell oh, battery. That sounds fun. So you, everybody has twenty two hundreds. Shove a twenty two hundred in there. You take it out, and away you go. And you're flying a jet. That's awesome. I, I so board. You know, this is something that people, if you're interested or looking for something different, these things are going to be perfect. For flying in the winter, and they have it like a uh, F8 Crusader, an F9 F Panther, F86 Saber, a MiG-15, and also these really cool—they're uh, called a Stinger. And it's not—you know—it's just—I don't know, Alpha. How do you explain a Stinger? It's not a military jet; it's just a jet. That's that's a sport jet. Sport it's jet. A fantasy scale sport jet. Yeah, the Stinger 64. And the thing I like about the Stinger, that's one of my favorites. Like the red 64 millimeter Stinger. I was like, oh man. Now, can you bring up a list of those that I can get on board? I will. Maybe our viewers later can see. I can pull up some some of them. Yes. Because you're rattling names off. I'm I'm not familiar with all the names of jets, unfortunately. (laughs) Uh, We'll put put them in the show links, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. All righty. Yeah. Just to give me an idea of some of the ones you rattled off. Okay, so we'll go We'll go right to the beginning. There's an F-8 Crusader right there. See this one yes, right here? Yes, So you can get the picture. Now, look at the detail, Mike, on this. Wow. You know, that's just a, look, a $98 hand-launched jet, but look how good that thing looks. Isn't that crazy? That's, yes, that is You're awesome. getting a lot of detail for under that $100. Kind of yeah. And they uh, sold like hotcakes, correct? Yeah, they were they were a massive hit for us, uh, and we anticipate them continuing being so. Uh, that's free shipping within the continental U.S. Of course, we ship worldwide, but within the continental U.S. for our core customer family, that's 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 an aircraft to their door in two to five days for less than the price of a of a battery for one of our bigger jets. So, and when you're talking about affordability and sort of budget consciousness. These aircraft slip right into that pocket. So the F-8 was hugely popular. It's never been done in foam before. So I think maybe that's why people really gravitated to it. And uh, as you're looking at that list as well, there, there are older legacy aircraft like the F-9M Panther. Mm-hmm. Uh, that aircraft has a wide straight wing for your viewers um, from the Korean War and, and, and later eras. So... Wide straight wing, easy to fly, sort of flies the closest to a trainer jet, uh, as we've got. And other scale aircraft, the F-22 is very popular because it as well is a easy-to-fly aircraft. And then we've got something, as I mentioned, with the sport or fantasy scale aircraft like our Stinger 64. Mm-hmm. Stinger 64 has been around for uh, gosh, six years, maybe even longer. It was one of Freewing's first jets. And because when I say fantasy scale for your viewers, 
we're known for the scale stuff, scale being realistic, real aircraft based on based on the real things. Fantasy scale or sport jets are able to um, they're able to sort of be designed and optimized for RC, right? They don't need to look like anything specific, which is which as a designer is really liberating. You can just you can just design it to fly well in the context and in the size of RC. And we actually size that up to a 90 millimeter uh, EDF, so a much larger aircraft. But the 64, importantly, continues to sell just really, really well because, again, it's the cost of the battery for that bigger yeah. version of the Stinger. Right. I like that color scheme on that. That was on the really Stinger. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's a really nice looking, nice looking. Air, uh, aircraft. Now, one thing too, I'm going to point out because people are, are going to be listening to this now. If you go on their website, you're going to notice that most of these 64 millimeters are out of stock. But don't worry, Alpha has already informed us that they're probably going to be back in stock. What around six days or so? Which today? Yeah, we were. <laughs> yeah, today's the first. first we were stocked yeah. very often. We've got uh, we've got product coming every week, so okay. um, we're just coming out of Black Friday, of course, and Cyber Monday, and yeah. it's a good problem to have when just even more than we had projected, customers stood up and said, we really want to jump into these aircraft and try them now. So uh, we have a notify me. So those of you on our website, for any product that's out of stock, you can click on notify me once we receive that product in hand mm-hmm. and are able to ship it to you that day. Uh, you'll receive an email notification and people are already we can see those lists and we have many people in line and a lot of product coming in to satisfy uh, that Christmas list as it were perfect so they will be uh, in time for Christmas you hear that Mike? Yeah. they will be here in be a time good boy for Christmas <laughs> I might get cold if I'm not behaving here I'm not doing um, Alpha I gotta ask you like you know we were just Looking at the the, we'll take the F eight Crusader for instance. Looking at the details on how nice that thing. How do you guys sell them? That I mean, under a hundred dollars for throw your receiver and a battery in there, and you are ready to go. That to me is amazing. Yeah, part of uh, part of it comes back to the development of the aircraft, right? Um, When you're talking about the mold, people don't realize, and we've talked about this a little bit on forums in the past, but. The cost of the molds to make these aircraft mm-hmm. is is enormous. Right. Um, it is. It is. It is just. I think of a number. It's a lot higher than that. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it a, like in the above tens of thousands of dollars? Um, uh, I've it's, heard it's much. It's much higher than that. Oh, is it really? Um, yeah. It, Ten times. So, so, so the idea that you want to produce an aircraft um, and then market it and sell it to, from the from the beginning, we start with with the, with a high hill to climb. And so a lot of the economies that we've been able to realize with these aircraft is comes back to their development, designing them simpler, smaller. Um, and I don't just mean physically smaller, but understanding the layout of the parts in the mold and how, how that's all sort of going to piece together and thinking through the entire uh, production cycle of the aircraft from sourcing your parts all the way up into the ease of production time is money so if it's if it's an aircraft that has many different production steps and the fuselage is made up of seven interlocking pieces and and you're inlaying carbon fiber and plywood and all these other sorts of things uh, you're very conscious of 
how much time it's going to take people to assemble. Like you've got you have 50, 60 to 100 people in certain cases touching these aircraft mm-hmm. uh, for different for different manufacturers, not just Freewing, but from an aircraft's um, beginning to when it reaches a customer. So if you can save that time, you can reduce that cost. Um, also, frankly, as when we're talking about a people who want to get into jets, as an example, and realizing that that's probably everyone. Um, yeah. And, and realizing that this 64 millimeter park fire class, as we call it, <clears throat> these park flyers are optimized for people to, to get in and try the EDF side of the hobby. You know, we, we frankly make them as low as possible to make them as enticing as, and economical as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so <clears throat> and no one's getting rich off of these things, but, <laughs> uh, but we're keeping the hobby alive and we're, we're getting, I think, more people interested in it. And ultimately, that's that's the point. Yeah, that's right. the priority. That's awesome. On this, on the sixty-four mils, has has the technology come up? Like I remember years ago, where like some of these some of these lower end uh, power plants, and that's why the four S stuff had to be pushed in the six S. The, the the motors just didn't the EDF motors just didn't have that that deliverable punch. Now have the sixty-four millimeters, particularly in the three S size, have has that efficiency come up where you can make flat models like this and they actually fly decently? Uh, absolutely. Part of that comes to development, as I mentioned earlier, and part of that comes to execution. So with an EDF, which for your viewers not familiar, that's a it, that's a hair dryer, right? Yeah. In a 64 millimeter, it's the, yeah. your wife's hair dryer, only that it's it's pulling 30, 40 plus amps um, uh, running on in this case, three cells, so so eleven to twelve volts. That um, that unit, we get into the the things that I'm that I really enjoy, which is the design of power plants. So the the gap between the spinning fan inside that that tube buried in your jet, uh, spinning inside that electric ducted fan, um, directly impacts the thrust. Of, of the of the aircraft uh the size of the ducting so the air mm-hmm. coming in and the air blowing out the back and the length between the edf and the front and the back and the shape of the ducting um all of that when you think of air as a liquid uh as a fluid i should say when you think of air as a fluid and how it flows into the edf and reacts with that fan and then is accelerated out the back very very small differences can potentially have huge impact to the performance of the aircraft. It's not necessarily innovations in the motors are more efficient. No, they're all still three-phase brushless motors. Mm-hmm. It's not that the voltage is higher, you know, 3S, 2S. The difference is, is really in, in, for example, making the tail cone outlet a little smaller. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. For your listeners, blow through a big straw and blow through a small straw, right? That small straw... The, the the air will be compressed and come out faster, um, but there's a balance. Of course, it's difficult to blow really uh, strongly through a coffee stirrer. Mm-hmm. Is the example I use. It's too small, right? You have yeah. too much air, where you can't push it out, and so you can't just choke down an outlet to where it's impossibly small. There's a balance there, and finding that balance is what I think has allowed uh, a lot of EDF. Uh, manufacturers like Freewing and Famous uh, or FMS as they're known in the States and other manufacturers to really sort of 
um, get on the bandwagon of optimizing design for EDS. We understand them more, right? Yeah. And, and that's really helped. Uh, a quick question on all these 64 millimeter series. Do they run on all the same KV motor or some of them different? Yeah, good question. They actually don't. Um, while they are standardized to a point, mm -hmm. uh, there, there are still about three different ones across uh, all of the 64s that we have. Uh, when you introduce other 64 millimeter uh, power plants like those from Dynam and those from FMS, you're going to see some variation there. Um, sometimes that's for speed, sometimes that's for thrust. We have 12 blade versions which sound a little better. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's obviously a, there's an amp penalty there, so their, right. their flight duration is a little less, and their amps are a little higher. So there's always a give and take. We try to size the PNP aircraft. So PNP is that plug-and-play plug and aircraft. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, the, the plug-and-play stuff are really... Those have pre-installed at the factory power plants that we think are the best balance between thrust to get out of bad situations when you're slow, high speed so that you can sort of have a jet, uh, cost and weight and all those sorts of factors. We still have upgrade tabs where people can throw in a big block four cell for that little 64 and if they really want to overclock it. Um, but the PNPs, I think, for newer pilots, we always recommend go with what we recommend because we fly these things just hundreds and hundreds of times before selecting those power systems. Right. Yeah, that was my other question. Can you actually uh, put a four, will they take a four cell, like an 1800 four cell, or, or, you know, or is it, or the motor's going to get too hot? Yeah, that's a great question, and it's a really, really good one, uh, Mike, because we get it all the time. Um, what happens is it's best to think of these power systems as, as systems. So the, the systems have different parts. The impeller, which is the propeller, the blades on the front spinning, the motor, the ESC, um, and the battery. All of those factors uh, come into play into the single system. If you change any one of those things it's potentially going to change the output of the system. Mm -hmm. So whereas some of our Warbird aircraft, you can throw in a different battery or change the prop. Right. With EDFs, they are, they are specific. That motor and that blade system, the pitch of the blades, the number of blades, uh, they're specifically working together in concert to produce a certain amount of, of amps at a given voltage. So for new pilots, we recommend don't, if you bought a 3S PNP, don't drop in a 4S battery. Um, for that, we have 4S PNP versions. There are some people who jump right into the 4S, because as you mentioned earlier, maybe they have a 4S 2200. Right. Um, so they'll jump in straight to those, or the other upgrade path is people will buy the 3S PNP fly it on 3S, get used to the aircraft. If they love it, then they may consider going to the upgrades page on our website and mm -hmm. dropping in a 4S. They keep the aircraft because they like it, and now now it's just faster, a little heavier, you know. Right. Um, so that's sort of the, the progression for, for pilots looking to, to keep the same airplane, just go faster. Right. Um, the other question I had is I would – kind of surprised at the battery range anywhere from a thousand to a 2200 that's pretty good range for such a small aircraft 
what are some of the flying times you're getting with, say, a 2200? Or is there a, you know, a specific battery that you guys kind of lean towards a little bit, like an 1800, which is kind of in the middle or something that, you know, you get in the best balance of weight, you know, efficiency and, and times to where if Yeah, the, do you put like an asterisk next to the best, the best performance yeah, or something? We like actually that, do. Uh, in the descriptions, we'll mention like a variety of batteries because sure. look, we, we know that we sell batteries, Hobby King sells batteries, mm-hmm. Verizon, everyone sells batteries, right? They're the lifeblood of, of electric aircraft. So there are many different variations in, in not size. just the milliamp mm-hmm. capacity, but yeah, the weight, the size, and yep. all that sort of stuff. So in the description, we'll state sort of our general, you know, 1,000 to 1,800. And then in, uh, Mike, to your question, we'll have in the recommendation list on the bottom of our product pages, which are laid out, we think, intuitively for people to read the description and then the specifications and the feature set of the aircraft. At the bottom, there's a recommendations set where we say you're going to need a six-channel or more radio. Mm-hmm. You know, check out our radios. You're going to need batteries between this size and this size. And here's a link to the specific battery within that range that we recommend. And those are those are my recommendations. Those are those are the recommendations of of Mike and Ryan, our, our and some of our other test pilot and media team. And um, and within that range, of course, people will will jump in and use their own battery. And the bottom line for any listener is the manuals have the CG. And we recommend whether you're using that small battery pushed forward or that bigger battery pushed back, you got to hit that that CG. Um, and with the newer aircraft, we're talking, for example, like the F-8, we designed them with large battery base specifically to give people even more range of options mm-hmm. as far as batteries. Everything's going to fly a little better you asked about flight duration. Mm-hmm. He's going to fly a little better with the three S's. We like them on 16 to 1800. Okay. That seems to be a really nice sweet spot between economy right. uh, of of money and economy of energy. Yeah, <laughs> and, I was going to um, say, yeah. So Eight, 1800 good. three cell batteries are a dime a dozen. I mean, yeah. they're, yeah. That's the best. Yeah, they whole, really are. You could just go and go and go and go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Charge a ton of them. Right. Up. Wow. Yep, exactly. Uh, the 2200s that we have laying around, we'll put them in. They're really great if it's windy, for example. Mm-hmm. Right? Heavier weight. weight actually helps you penetrate. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Uh, if you want to impress your friends and go a little faster, you know, throw in that <laughs> Throw in that 60C 2200. Watch this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hold my beer, right? Watch, yeah. yeah, hold my beer. Watch yeah. this one go. This one so, <laughs> who cares if it's gusting the 45? We're going to fly. <laughs> <laughs> what I think is neat with the um, with the EDF range of planes is you if you look at your your genre of aircraft. I mean, I know with the props, we're kind of you know World War Two ish. Those seems to be the you know the ones that everybody mm-hmm. loves. But with the EDFs, you seem to have this you know post World War Two all the way up to modern day. Um, you know, just a, a whole goodie bag of, of variety of jets. So. What work? Well, one for you, Alpha. What is like your favorite? And two, what's really selling well in that whole range for for yeah, Motion RC? Question. Yeah, yeah, a great question. So, so two parts of of your your feedback really resonates with me. In one sense, you're right in observing that for jets, we really have while there's a range between between yeah. the first jet series to to modern aircraft, we tend to trend more towards that Korea Vietnam sort of 
late area with a couple of the more modern aircraft like an F-15 or an F-22. And there's an interesting reason your, your listeners may be uh, curious to hear about. The reason why that is is those the really big aircraft, again, when we talk about investment, those large aircraft, you really got to know that they're popular. And sometimes you just don't know. Um, and so we use the smaller sizes uh, sometimes. Ah. Uh, yep. We use them. We, we test the market, right? Mm-hmm. The F-86 was a great example. We had a 64-millimeter yeah. F-86. At the time that it was produced by Freewing, there were, there were other F-86s on the market um, through Banana Hobby and yep. RC and a few others. And we were curious, does it, would a Freewing F-86 really interest anyone when there are already other renditions? And so we made a couple made one in two different color schemes. It was wildly successful. Interesting. We scaled that up to an 80 millimeter jet four years ago, and it continues to be one of our bigger 80 millimeter jet uh, sellers. So it's a way for the customers to say, we really like this aircraft or we we really sort of don't. (laughs) Right. Um, It's good information for us. Right. And so, so that's why you sort of see that trend. Um, As far as my my favorite flying aircraft for the 64 millimeter series, again, in the context of a season and skill appropriate airplane, um, if it's snowing outside or, or it's too windy right now and I just want to go and fly something, Write this it's down. probably going to be one of the, it's going to be one of the high wing aircraft. It's like going to be F-8? the new F-8 yeah. Crusader, exactly. Right. It it's going to be... Yeah, get, get write it down. That F-8 Crusader. <laughs> I trust his opinion on this matter, um, for sure. <laughs> Even even our even our older aircraft like the F twenty two older in model obviously much more recent in, in yes. subject matter but the F twenty two with its with its good wing size so a very sort of amenable wing area that aircraft seems to be really popular with customers um, there are a couple of things when you're looking at a jet at a sixty four millimeter jet. It's there. There are other things to consider, which are going to be specific to the user. So we always say, sixty um, fours are typically hand tossed. Mm-hmm. A lot of them have wheels uh, in the upgrade option. You can buy wheels if you want to roll on the ground, uh, which is fun. But um, and these are plug in landing gear, not retracts, due to the aircraft's small size. But you're you're going to be hand tossing these things and belly landing them on grass or on snow. So while that's super convenient, you also need to think about how how you can hand toss it. So aircraft like like the F8, as an example, high wing and a narrow fuselage. That's really easy for someone to hold like a football and, yep. and chuck. And you're not you're not there's trying no to... exposed propeller to chop fingers off. So I like <laughs> exactly. that aspect of it being launching exactly. a detected yeah. fan. <laughs> You know, you're not looking to huck this thing 70, 70 yards and go for the touchdown, but you know, uh, get a running uh, lead, you know, yeah. jump, javelin yeah. type throw. You know, a strong toss will, will get the aircraft flying. Um, and so, so my point is, for models like the F twenty two, which fly great once they're in the air, it does have a wide fuselage with mid mounted wings. Mm-hmm. So if you have bigger hands, F twenty two is great. You got smaller hands, you know, F8. So there's small sort of nuances, right, of the designs uh, that that I think people should consider. Um, also, as far as just overall flying characteristics, the Panther, because of its straight wing, uh, because of its straight wing, you're gonna you're gonna have a more docile mm-hmm. flying characteristic. Just 
mm-hmm. just because. Um, so that aircraft team seems to be perennially favorite with with pilots, and and I, I and I like it as well. Yeah. yeah. How about like stuff like the 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 saber and a few other? Are they what about for underhand toss? I know something like the F eight is overhand toss, but some of the other ones which have more you know with the mid matted mm-hmm. wing, are they can you can you still do a nice underhand toss, or is are you going to lose a little too much of velocity on takeoff? You know, if you're doing underhand, you, you got to do it more. You got to give it a harder toss. Um, that's for sure. But it's a good point. The Stinger 64, uh, the F 86, um, aircraft you can just get your hands around and chuck from underneath. Those work just fine. Um, I would say, though, that even the 64 and F 86 are aircraft that people will hold behind the wing. You okay. know, Flight, Te- yep. Flight Test recently did a, a cool video of the F 8 showing them. Um, hucking the aircraft into the air. It was their first EDF, uh, you know, foam PMP <laughs> EDF, as I recall. And it's a good example of how you can, you can, however you give the aircraft its initial velocity within a, a certain range of reasonability, um, it's going to fly. You, know, you don't want to chuck these things 75 degrees or 90 degrees straight up. They're not rockets. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, if we can get we, I've seen people uh, throw these from the wingtip, from the nose, from underneath. People will people will use rubber bands and for bungee launches. <laughs> there are, there are a lot of different ways, and people maybe get a little too technical as far as getting the aircraft in the air. Um, exactly. Yeah. I, I, funny you mentioned that. I actually um, we, we've actually seen in my home field in Apollo someone rig up a, a, a test rig where the aircraft was dropped from a larger aircraft. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, you, nice. know, you know, old school B fifty twenty nine. Yeah, yeah, B twenty nine X one style, mm-hmm. where they just they dropped it. And again, the aircraft only wants it. It wants air. It mm-hmm. wants uh, velocity <laughs> under the surfaces. So so give it give it a good huck, everyone. <laughs> You'll be fine. <laughs> Does it? Do they torque at all? I don't know much about ducted. I mean, do they like torque when you, you when you throw it or whatever? Or are they no, not as no, bad as some other a, planes? That's actually a really, really good question. Um, yeah, a really good question, Mike. Because uh, pilots coming to the EDF side, who are usually starting with the sixty fours, most of them have already flown propeller driven aircraft. Mm-hmm. Most of them electric aircraft, and they're they're used to torque. Mm-hmm. Um, Without getting into a long discussion about P factor and all the forces at play, suffice to say, an EDF is small enough and spinning fast enough where you're not going to see a noticeable uh, a P factor exerted on the airframe during launch. Um, what what you'll see more, and what I've what I've observed to be confused as as torque roll, is your fingers. Um, oh. Guys are used to flowing. We're used to throwing footballs. I mean, oh, yeah. right? So you're, not not, the, uh, not to generalize, yeah. but but our our fingers are laces, right? We're thinking. Yep. We, I've seen people just I've seen people throw aircraft and and the aircraft rolls twice before it's before it's at altitude, <laughs> just because you know, of the natural spiral. Yeah. Let go of like a football. football yeah. yeah, exactly. They're putting a little bit of that into it, so it's it's a really good question, Mike, because people are scared about that. We always say. You're focusing on fly on on tossing that aircraft level mm-hmm. um, yeah. more than anything. Even frankly, even more than speed, you you want to keep it 
wings level. Mm-hmm. Wings level a little bit of up and, and, and chase out in your mind your fingers wanting to uh, to to to, to remain on the aircraft yeah. a little bit longer on one side. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna induce some sort of roll. Does it dip when you hand launch? I know with the little experience I have, it dips till it gets up to speed, and it's a, sometimes it's a little nerve wracking. Or do they punch pretty yeah. well being a lighter aircraft uh, that size? That'll depend on the on three factors. One, the weight of of the specific yeah, aircraft, because yeah. these these do tend to change. Um, to your the the airspeed coming into the airframe always hand toss into the wind yep. uh, uh, not not with a tailwind sure. and then and then three the the attitude and velocity of the toss what so, angle is best for the 64s like for release would you say 45 a little less than 45 yeah like 30 so when you or say something. 45 People, it usually turns out to be sixty. Yeah, I understand. I understand. Ninety and forty-five are a little different, there, Bob. I'm thinking like thirty, might thirty or so less. Yeah, you want you want to be thinking thirty or a little more. It's probably the better number to think about. Thirty and a little more. Um, The what we tell pilots, especially our students coming into this, is um, first of all, find someone. The advantage of of yeah, hobby yeah, fields and yeah. clubs find someone who's who's got these and uh and another small tip is is wait to watch them toss one of their aircraft <laughs> and, and wait you know sure they had you know sure they have 10 of, of our 64s but they haven't flown them in two years and, and you know and there was that shoulder surgery last month so, so it's just Make sure that they're flying that day and they're on a good day before you ask them to toss your airplane. The other thing is we also always encourage always encourage people to take personal responsibility, right? It's your airplane. I would rather, even if it was my first one, I would rather toss it, fly time, it, yeah. and kill it. Yep. And just know, okay, I got to... It was my bo- yeah. my problem, my yeah. deal, yeah. I, I was trying to Tom Brady it. I was on the laces. <laughs> No, just I want to take that responsibility. It's really gut wrenching to, yes. to take that beautiful air. Granted, it's 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 only ninety nine dollars, not five hundred. Yeah. But it's it's your new airplane, and you lose it in five seconds. Takes a dirt nap because you got a bad toss. That you didn't have control over because it wasn't your arm. Um, so, <laughs> so 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 yeah. Not me. I hand him the mic and go throw it. <laughs> <laughs> and I do my jam yeah. type run and my big <laughs> yeah. eighty inch Optera wing with a blade of death on the back. <laughs> Make sure you duck, yeah. Mike. Yeah. <laughs> it's passing over my head. We've got those club flyers, right? Yeah. Those friends or that guy that clubs like I'll toss it and maybe Give it to me, I'll throw it. Those scars on the forearm. Exactly. <laughs> um, we're playing the lawn darts, right? <laughs> you throw it underhand. Yeah. <laughs> the other thing I would say is we've got a lot of videos. Um, I'm sure. You know, motion RC's videos and, of course, YouTube itself. There are a lot of videos showing successful launches and unsuccessful ones. And for that matter, <laughs> successful landings and unsuccessful ones. There's a pattern with the good ones and a pattern yeah. with the bad ones. Learn both before you fly. It's <laughs> always cheaper to, to learn while the aircraft's in one piece. <laughs> yep. Um, and and then, then go out and enjoy. 
you mentioned uh, some bad landings. Do do all the plug and play aircraft have the low volt cutoff kind of thing where the EDS will start, you know, pulsating to let you know to land that sucker? Oh gosh, that's probably one of my more my most favorite questions to answer. Um, <laughs> so so short answer is yes. All of our modern ESCs they have low voltage cutoff. Um, the second part of that answer is. Don't fly to the cutoff. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. We'll throw that out. We, we, we yeah. tell everyone that there, I think, I don't know what exactly it is, but I think we're all used to flying. Um, I don't know. I think of, I think of the old park zone fun, uh, uh, cup, you know, super cup. Yeah. You can always fly to man if you have to. Yeah. The, the old brushless one, right? Which is still a great airframe today. Um, good old brushless cub. People were sort of used to flying it to to when the ED, to to when the battery and mm-hmm. the ECB and to and to pulsate, then they'd land. Um, <laughs> the thing is, with a cub, maybe you've got a little more. You have a, certainly a lot more lift, so you can if you just if you're not even close to base to final, you can you can reduce power and glide back and and, and get to base, get to final, bring it in safely. With EDFs, um, you have a couple of factors working <laughs> against you. It's difficult to hear it pulse because the aircraft's whizzing around. It's usually a yeah. lot faster than a Cub. Mm-hmm. Um, and also the factory setting, guys, really important for listeners. The factory setting on those low voltage three cutoffs. Volts. <laughs> they're three usually volts. They a little higher. Like yeah, three point two, three point four. Yeah, but but the point is is whether it's dynam or fms or freewing or or horizon any esc you don't want to trust that that um, <laughs> that that lvc is at a sensible voltage for your mm-hmm. batteries right save the batteries so we always say set timers um, set a timer for 2 minutes when you first get up to fly yeah. uh, land measure how much you put back into your battery Add 15 seconds and keep going until you get to that sweet spot where you're mm-hmm. landing, you know, right around three seven or so. Right. Um, yeah. If you're landing lower, that's a problem because keep in mind when we're flying, the the voltage is lower under yeah. load than when we land. Guys, mm-hmm. say, I landed at three three point five eight. That's yeah. close enough to three six. <laughs> yes. In yeah. a big jet, you're closer to three four right. under load yeah, or less. Load. Yeah. Punishing those batteries. Yep. Um, so so set it for two and work your way up. It's going to depend on your altitude, especially right. This is this is the holiday winter episode. If if air is colder, if it's drier or wetter, uh, yeah. it, it all comes to play as far as your flight time. So it's it's good to have a sense of. I fly mostly in Southern California. Really good a sense of what an aircraft will do. Uh, when it's when it's 90 degrees and and no wind at, at sea level I also have a really good idea when we go to Arizona for example to fly of what it's going to fly in that drier air at mm-hmm. 105 degrees Fahrenheit mm-hmm. ambient at a much higher altitude the, it changes yep. we customers in Colorado who always say can I fly that EDF to which we yeah. say we have anecdotally, we have pe- people at 5,000, 6,000 feet who are flying, wow. but obviously it's not going to perform like you would at sea level. Right. Um, so learning your aircraft and timers, which are sort of that, that proverbial question of how long can it fly, it just depends. Yeah. Um, 
throttle management, how heavy you are on your sticks, if you're just going to leave it at full. You know, here in Asia, it's really funny because a lot of these the, the people that we fly with and flight testers especially, um, they're known to they put it at full and then they land. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's, there's zero variation in between. Um, but flying what we call throttle management, mm-hmm. yeah, especially for EDFs, flying throttle management and and just learning when to accelerate, when to hammer that throttle, when to not because you're just killing electrons, um, when to when to fly the energy of the aircraft, as we say, if you're descending and just back down on that battery when you're descending at the at the uh, coming out of that loop because you want to let gravity and, and inertia do the job, uh, give the battery a rest, right? Let it rest for a couple seconds, then power up again. Efficient flight and throttle management really unlocks batteries. I can fly sometimes. We have videos to prove it. We're flying almost twice as long as the recommended time on the same battery that some people are able to achieve a given flight, and they say how and why. Mm-hmm. And the answer is throttle is atmospherics and throttle management. Yeah, yeah. Do you throttle I, up I on banking and turns, or do you usually lower? I don't know. I just was wondering because I usually keep it at yeah. one spot. What's the best way to make a bank turn? Do you throttle up or just leave it alone? Or uh, depending on the speed you're coming into it with jets, most often you're going to keep power in turns. Yeah. Um, it, it, and obviously, the steeper your turn and the slower you're coming into that turn, then the more energy you're going to want to give to it. Sure. The benefit of these 64s is they're they're really flight instructors. Um, the Park Flyer class is a progression. They're in both an introduction and a progression to the world and through the world of EDF jets. The reason why when people say, I've been flying five years on a, on a Park Tune T28, I want to get a jet. The reason why we say get the $99 one first yes. is because they fly, they just fly differently. The right. power yeah. curve on an EDF, when we're talking about giving it power before you come into a turn, mm-hmm. the power curve on an EDF is different than a prop. Right. Like you can pitch pump a prop, go to full blast, and you're going to have that thrust there. Certain EDFs, depending on the airframe, are going to take time to spool, as we say. Yep. And learning those differences, you're going to want to learn what was too slow, what was in hindsight. Because <laughs> it, yeah. it, it yeah. de-kitted itself out in the field. You know, yes, um, <laughs> you're going to be you're gonna be learning um, you're gonna be learning those lessons before it's a was. You know, you right. can see that aircraft wings will, will rock. If you're too slow, the wings are gonna rock, uh, they're gonna begin and then ultimately rock very, very violently. Um, or the nose will begin to pitch up um, or different characteristics, it'll depart from normal flight that you're used to seeing at half power. And when it does that, the answer is always power up. Yeah. Um, but how to how to preempt stalls and and other yeah because you have that delay. Is, yes, you do have a more delay. Yeah, you, uh, I delay. Exactly. And so. and in some ways, uh, the energy of a jet and, and aerodynamics, aerodynamically speaking, they tend to be more slippery. Um, in some areas, there's that delay is less. If you're coming out of a dive um, and then you begin to pull out into a shallow bank at the same time, you're going to keep some of that energy uh, compared to, to a warbird coming out, of that, coming out of that same maneuver. So you can, there are times when you can use the jet's shape and its aerodynamics to an advantage. Mm-hmm. And you don't, as I mentioned earlier, you don't need as much throttle or you can just sort of fly out of it. So 
my point here in all this is that while different, they're not aliens to each other, propellers and jets. They're close enough where people can get into them, but they are still there are still intricacies of, of the performance and handling of these EDFs where we encourage people start small. I mean, if you want to buy the big three hundred dollar aircraft, you know, knock yourself out, I suppose. <laughs> but but for the record, our preference yeah. and this may sound oh it sounds weird when we say it. Because people think we're just in it to sell bigger aircraft, and we're not. Um, our preference is that people begin that progression from from the right place, right, and then be able to move up. Because yes, while we've met people who have bought bigger jets as their first jet and have operated them successfully and safely, which is really the most important thing of all. Um, the fact remains that those people are exceptions. Um, I, I think we all think that we are the exception. I can get that jet. I can fly. I know how to fly. Just from experience, guys, it's cheaper. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's cheaper just to just to start small, and um, it's just it's just cheaper to start small. That aircraft will live forever. You can you can graduate all the way up to turbines if you want. But if that first sixty-four millimeter is still alive and sitting on the mantle. You know, that's not a bad thing. Right. Uh, Alpha, you were talking about aerodynamics and everything. I'm really curious that when you downsize that small to the 64 millimeter size, uh, when you're doing your, you know, your testing, do you find it uh, more difficult, like, say, trying to get the uh, F-86 to, uh, you know, to fly good compared to the F-A, like as far as air, you know, bringing the air in, do you notice when you're downsizing that much that you got to really mess with the inlet and the outlet uh, to get them to oh, get it? Yeah. Cheater, yeah, cheater EDFs are known, exactly. EDFs are known for, for cheater holes. Um, because that EDF is buried down in that fuselage, um, it needs air, right? As right. much air as it can receive, it can push out the back. If it doesn't have air and the fan starves, as we say, then you're you're not going to go anywhere. Right. So, so absolutely, a lot of EDFs incorporate what are called cheater holes mm-hmm. or cheater ducts or louvers, and there's different names for them, but cheaters are usually what they're called, um, which are which are essentially ancillary ducts that that aren't on the front of the aircraft. For example, like that F eighty six. Um, that long duct from the nose all the way back behind the wing to where the EDF is uh, isn't very efficient for air. It can't get enough as it needs it. So designers will will put a small grate, plastic grate, little hole uh, at some area in the fuselage, usually on the bottom where it's hidden from view, where the which will allow the EDF to ingest more air, basically a supplemental duct. And the size of that cheater hole varies uh, based on the aircraft. The necessity of it varies. Some of the aircraft with cheaters, they can actually be covered up. Uh, they're, they're really just there for static thrust. So uh, so, so incorporating, incorporating ducts to feed the fan is important. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I'll add one more thing here in in my well-known short answers <laughs> is that EDFs um, they have we call two different things there's there's static thrust and there's dynamic thrust there are mm-hmm. a lot of different factors in this but I'm going to simplify Suf- suffice to say that the more air a fan has in the beginning um, if you have a hundred 
twenty percent of uh, of air. If, if the if the EDF is a certain area and you have one hundred twenty percent of that, then the aircraft's going to have a lot of thrust, right? Because it can it has a lot of air to grab in front of it and then push behind it. So let's say if you had a really big duct, uh, a really big bass mouth gaping duck on an f-86 then initially on on takeoff the air is going to have the the air is going to be plentiful the edf will have a lot of what we call static thrust it'll have the ability to grab all that air and push it behind it Um, but of course once you're at speed if you think about that duct which isn't able to change its shape in the air like an f-15's intake for example that duct is a fixed Shape. So now you have 120% of the swept area of the fan in front of the fan. Now you have a surplus of air. And what is a surplus of air in aerodynamics? It's drag. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now you have too much air where the fan, as fast as it can spin, it cannot, it still cannot get all that air behind it. Yeah. Yeah. It can't grab it all. So you sort of have a, imagine a wall of air there that's drag it. Exactly. You have this, this, this cloud, this wall of air that's spinning in front of the duct. So, so fine-tuning fine that balance where it can, it can hand toss and have good static thrust from, from a static uh, position to where it has good dynamic thrust, which is when it's moving and it has a good speed, uh, that's different for every aircraft. One of the reasons as well why we have different KV motors and different sort of fans, as you asked earlier, because it, it just it depends. It varies. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe you touched on it a little bit with Andre's question, but I was curious in uh, the 64 millimeter series, is there, you know, one that really stands out as a good flyer? Just for instance, I've it seems like a, a T28 Trojan, no matter if it's, 80 inch wingspan or a 20 inch wingspan mm-hmm. in an ultra micro they all fly good it seems like it's just that airplane and, and i've heard through the grapevine and i don't know for sure i've only flown i think one like f86 but just for an example i've heard that that for a jet is as a good flying jet no matter if it's a small medium or large it's just a good flying platform Design. do you find that uh, any of them in the 64 that uh, you know that flies a little better than the other ones or easier you know the the Panther is going to be the the easiest of the bunch because of its straight wing. Okay. Um, and then the second option, which may seem counterintuitive, it's the Stinger sixty four. Now the mm. Stinger sixty four has a low wing, so when we're mm-hmm. talking about belly landing, it has protectors on the bottom to protect the aileron servo con- mm-hmm. uh, horn and 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 the and the control mechanisms. Um, but overall, it's still it's still a really robust aircraft. Being a fantasy scale aircraft, it was designed for RC. So when we're talking about duct size, right, this, the Freewing 64 millimeter F86 has a pretty non-scale, pretty large duct on the front end of it to compensate for some of those uh, requirements of the EDF, as we talked about earlier. The Stinger 64 doesn't. It has ducts that are sized for that EDF fan. That aircraft was built around the EDF. Mm. So when we're talking about perennial good flyers, which one is everyone sort of really like, um, 
it's it's Stinger 64. Now I always hesitate to recommend the Stinger 64 first because we offer it in 3S and 4S versions. Uh, Most people will jump straight into the, the 4S, 4S. <laughs> and it is it is a it is a very different aircraft on 4S. It's it's definitely faster. Mm-hmm. But the 3S Stinger 64 is really our our bread and butter entry uh, sport scale 64 millimeter park jet. And people from there will be able to jump into 70s, 80s from FMS and Freewing and all the other right. manufacturers. Man, we're we're looking at the Panther here right now. That thing looks like it would be an absolute nightmare to get that air to work right for that ducted fan and little, uh, you know, air intakes there by the fuselage. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, it's um. The Panther, for for viewers not familiar with it, it it has wing root mounted uh, um, sort of blended intakes, and nice you're right, it's 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 a neat looking airplane and difficult to make and difficult to make well neat in in models, but they fly really well. Hmm. Um, also visibility, I mean, Mike, yeah. you're not really a jet guy, you don't have any jets. What colors are your aircraft? Right. Oh, you mean are for they, us are they all red? Yeah, are they all red? Are you the guys who like red? Do you like bright colors? Are you okay with grays? I mean, that factors in, right? Looks and, well, and practical visibility. It, it just, I don't know. I, for me personally, if if it's going to be a type of warbird, I want it in some kind of regular, you know, it's warbird so scheme. It's hard to visually see it is hard, you know, Oh, man. But as far as um, the rest Hence of my planes. being a warplane, you know, they yeah. wanted to blend yeah, in with yeah, the right. sky in the surround. Yeah, um, so. camouflage exactly. works, right? Yeah, no, not not for me. <laughs> like, just yeah, just take for instance. I like red and yellow yeah. personally. Just take but for yellows inst- for a jet isn't gonna probably work too too much. Well, I mean, <laughs> if you time. go for like the Stinger though, it's in bright red that or I'd blue. Like, I did yeah, like that. That's that's nice I even commented right. on that color scheme. I liked it. You know, for instence, I have a uh, F five F Wildcat sitting here. It's light blue on the top and gray at the bottom. It's a fantastic looking airplane, but to try to track that thing when it gets out is on a, on a you know a nice bright blue clear sky. Yeah, if you have the wrong oh, sky, cl- cl- it's almost cl- impossible. Yeah. Is that the park zone? Yes, we love that. Yeah, yes, us yeah, too. The, the belly lander. Love, <laughs> yeah, love love that belly lander wildcat. Yep. Yep, it's uh, it's a shelf queen because you, you, you can't find parts and you can't find them around Chad's anymore. Chad's was until the glass block kind of bubbled oh, it up. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, the sun oh, was coming in. I'm gosh. like, oh, that's <laughs> hard to believe. Yeah. When you destroy it and it's sitting on the shelf. You yeah. know, that's, right. That's, that's, that's oh, really that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> wrong kind of man. It's like that glass block was like a magnifying. You oh, could I see bet. right where it bubbled up oh, like a line. Man. I was like, oh, Chad. Yeah. I had a couple. Visibility is an important thing for sure. Yep. I I guess the neat thing is you can personalize them too. I mean, there's there's nothing stopping you from finding that color scheme that you like. And you know, every 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 major squadron had their special looking airplane, right? Yeah, absolutely. Every um, every squadron, especially with those with the older aircraft, modern birds seem to have really standardized on 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 grays. But yeah, tail (laughs) flashes in in. in early era aircraft were, were really popular. So there's a lot of wild colors out there. It gets into the fun. I'm glad you mentioned it, Andre, about, about learning about the aircraft, personalizing, customizing. Yeah. We and every other hobby store sells um, that, that adhesive trim tape that's like day glow green and, and orange. Yep. And, you know, 
nothing it, stopping you from putting a couple of stripes on the bottom on one wing with black for contrast for your first few flights. Once you get used to the aircraft, you can paint it back over scale as, if you want. But, you know. <laughs> as much as I hate to say it, white might look good on jets, and they're easy to track. As much I know it doesn't. A white jet, Mike, you're like. Really... Honestly, I think it would be easy to track. <laughs> a I don't white know. jet. Well, I mean, with some, <laughs> yeah, some yeah, brakes yeah, yeah. and decals or whatever, but yeah. white to me yeah. is e- visually pretty easy to see in the sky. Yeah, yeah a lot of our sport jets are, are white. Stinger, yeah. Stinger 64, the Stinger 90, uh, one of our F5s, um, and one of our Venom. It's better than yellow. Sizes. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Yeah, for, for certain eyes, just, <laughs> our yeah. acuity is different. People are like, I need to see red, and some people just love the red. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. we get a lot of feedback saying, can you do something other than red? All my aircraft are red. <laughs> um, and all of our aircraft are gray. So that's just, we see it as fun. That's, that's mm-hmm. part of the fun hobby, customizing. I had a couple questions. Well, first of all, like you mentioned, seeing people maybe not fly them a lot. They're heavier. They're like full throttle the whole time. And they probably don't want to avoid those negative tendencies mm-hmm. with, that you associate with jets. Mm-hmm. I assume most yeah. people probably do throttle harder being newer to it. Just avoid stalls or yeah. whatever you want i mean yeah. i know personally if i'm flying a jet i'm gonna probably be yep. higher on the throttle and not yep. trying to manage it i'm too scared to yeah. even think about managing and that's, throttle yep. and that's what we tell you all the time like throttle back my yeah. throttle back it, we're, yeah. we're good back. Left. yeah left, yeah. left. So i want to point that out i mean i was earlier in our discussion but then also i was wondering do any of these airframes do you have a simulator that has these frames in it that you could practice with on a simulator, because I might personally, I might go back to my simulator and get used to some EDS. Yeah, they might not simulate it perfectly, but it'll give you some feel of what it might mm-hmm. be like. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just curious. Of, yeah, good question. So none of none of the aircraft really have direct analog, so I hesitate to make direct recommendations. But both Phoenix um, and Real Flight have some pretty respectably sized uh, 64 70 millimeter That's size what I, um, the EDS. Yeah. Yeah. Any of those, so Phoenix is a great platform, one of my favorites. So any of those you'll be able to get in and get used to. Throttle curve is something that they they tend to um, they tend to model relatively well. What I would say though, Mike, is especially in Phoenix, bump up your your environmental. So make it a little windier, make it a little gustier. You want to introduce some sort oh, of with yeah. the simulator on a jet. Yeah, with the simulator on a jet. I find that sometimes it's showing that it's penetrating perfectly uh, more than it will. Yeah. You you want it to get buffeted. You want to get used to, well, I was in a turn and now it's, now it's a little steeper. Why is that? It's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, give it some opposite aileron and get it back to the attitude you wanted. So, so those types of visual cues are, are very important. Um, Yeah. Super important as far as, as far as that. Now, when we're talking about throttle, most modern EDFs in the Park Flyer series from any manufacturer, you're going to be able to fly them, hand launch them at the at 100%. Why not? Um, you're not afraid of, of torque. But once you're flying, most of them are going to be just fine at, at 60 or 70%. Um, I understand when pilots don't want, they never want to see their aircraft stall. I'm, I'm the exact opposite, especially as, as, an, as an aircraft developer. Yeah. I need to see the aircraft stall. I need to see when and how and why yeah. um, and how to get out of it. So if within your comfort levels, 
even from day one, you don't need to do it on your first flight. But within your first 10 flights, we still encourage guys, look, get the aircraft high, get it wings level, and begin to bring that speed down. See what it does. Because once you see that, that's, that is not a simulator. That is the aircraft. You're going to learn it. Um, you're going to learn that they're going to learn that lesson immediately and you'll be able to learn the difference you may say huh that's just like the sim or you're you're going to be able to identify the disparity between uh the real thing and the sim so that when you go back to flying the sim that night and trying different things in the back of your head you're going to be conscious of well i know that this sim is i don't know x percent um you know, inaccurate or whatever. You have some sort of gauge for the difference between mm-hmm. the real thing and the simulator. I still try to fly a simulator three, four times a week, just because it's 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 good to do. Um, you'll never outgrow a simulator, but but learning quickly the difference between the exact difference for yeah. giving aircraft first for that sim super super valuable. Mm. With the with the park series, do you find that um, because I've, I've so far I've only flown two EFs? There's my uh, rest in pieces uh, for doing F-16, <laughs> the uh, the Vampire, and they're both a little larger, I think, than your Park Flyer series. Do you find with the Park Flyers you're able to keep them in tighter, uh, you know, so you're not flying out so far with them? So for from a visual standpoint, they're probably a little easier to keep your, you know, the, the you're containing them a little better due to the fact that they're not, you know, 4S screaming away on a 70 mil. And with the 64, you probably can fly them, but not fly them so rapidly. Definitely. We, when we call the aircraft park flyers, um, obviously we don't recommend for the record flying in like public parks where you're not <laughs> yeah. supposed to. And there are people. I mean, safety is a big thing about the hobby. So you know, please do not endanger the hobby by flying in unsafe areas. But when we say park flyer, it's more a statement of you don't need a 600 foot runway. Yeah. You know, our, our fields in Apollo, we have a big 600 foot runway and we have a park flyer field, which is, which is park sized. Um, you can absolutely, because they're flying slower, fly them in smaller spaces. And that's where for me, we talked about this, uh, on the first podcast, as far as, uh, flying slow and and learning the envelope of the aircraft so that you can bring things in tight and slow and nice yeah. you know, scale and presentation passes. Um, being able to see the aircraft remains the most critical thing. And speed, if it's any vector aside from directly towards you, uh, speed is your enemy in that fight, right? It, <laughs> uh, orientation diminishes by the second. And so <laughs> re- yeah. reducing yeah, that speed. <laughs> oh, I hate that feeling more than anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just, it's just uh, where is it? And then we've uh, all been there. We begin to start to waggle the sticks. Is mm-hmm. that up now? Oh, uh, no, that's, yeah. that's And you have okay, such I'm limited up. time to figure it out but because I, it's only going to get worse and worse. <laughs> that's no, the exactly. worst you know, yeah. It's a diminishing vector for you. <laughs> Yard sale. Um, and, and I think the fear, I mean, a theme of, of jets, I think, and maybe the transition of getting into jets, is there's a competing there are competing desires one <laughs> competing feelings one <laughs> is just i want to go fast and two is but i don't want to crash um, <laughs> right my sort of my gospel with edfs is well you don't have to go fast the aircraft are designed to where you, you don't have to fly at yeah. full that, find that middle ground. Each craft will be a little different. 
watch the videos, watch the guy at your flying field. You know, if he's a full throttle flyer, I don't know, ask him to fly it at 80, just to see the difference. Um, and, and do the research and do that sort of thing. But, but ultimately confront the fear of, I don't want to crash and, and, and let the, I want to go fast and I want to fly confidently to, to overcome that. I think once people in their minds, whether consciously or not, they're able to, to jump that gap and say, okay, it's 99 bucks, but I'm going to go and I'm going to fly that thing. That's my aircraft. Yeah. Uh, I, I think people are going to take responsibility and take reins of that aircraft. Um, I, I like to exercise. I like to, to lift weights. And there's a saying that you lift the weight. You don't let the weight lift you. You know, yeah. uh, it's, it's a statement about proper technique. I think the same goes for RC aircraft. You, you fly the aircraft. Don't let the aircraft fly you. Dictate yeah. when you're going to fly it. Dictate your 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 fun level <laughs> um, uh, with an aircraft. Yeah, Mike, I was going to tell you too. You know, if you really want to crank around or yeah, you know, get some top speed out of these things. I'm looking at the Crusader right now, and it's showing uh, you know top speed of around 68 miles an hour. That's pretty good for just a three cell. You know. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. Yeah, it's, it's, it's above my ability. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I know. You'll stall closer to 30, too. So, you know. so with the headwind, that, that goes down. So you don't need to go fast. And when you need to, you know, fly it, fly it lower and closer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Especially on the big jet sides, we get so many guys saying, can I go faster? Um and they're doing a hundred plus, and I don't know, oh gosh, that scares me. I've seen other people like even was it this? Oh yeah, I have. A, I mean, just yeah, it's I, scary. <laughs> you, you go up high and you come zipping yeah. down, and I'm like, oh, my heart's racing. I can only imagine what you feel like at the sticks. I um, mean, it's like oh, some like geez. the worm liners. Oh come on. Well, Alpha, I have a uh, FunJet Ultra here that's power. You know, do about a buck twenty, no problem. That's what I was yeah. I was pointing at because when I saw you there fly you that, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah. I couldn't handle that. That would, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd be sweating at the stick so bad, <laughs> I couldn't stand it. Yeah, uh, Andre, did you have any other questions on any, any of these? No, I, I no, I think uh, I think we're good. To jump into our uh, right. reveal. I, I got one more, real quick. Um, I just want to check and make sure everybody was done. Uh, I just wanted to jump all the way back in the beginning when we were talking about design and everything. I was just I, I got it wrote down. I didn't get to it, but Alpha, I was just curious about the molds. When you guys have a mold, do they? How long do they generally last? Like, is it a, a lifetime, or do they certain only make certain? Yeah, certain certain amount. certain amount that you can use it. And if say you're done with that product or whatever, do can they companies it either sell them yeah or you know say hey we have all this money invested but we're done with this do you ever uh or companies sell them <laughs> yeah the thing is is if you have a lot of money invested you're never done with it right ah, right um if you can still sell that aircraft you're not going to sell the mold to someone else okay um so for competitive reasons they can't really talk about the 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 number uh, the lifetime of a mold but yeah every mold has a lifetime um expectancy do you have a lifetime expectancy? Molds begin to deteriorate over time. It depends how they're constructed and how they're cared for, mm-hmm. um, as far as maintenance and whatnot, and and, and original design. But um, it's rare. I haven't seen a lot of instances where where manufacturers will sell their molds. It's happened with Starmax and, and a couple of examples, but those really are more exceptions. Mm-hmm. I think as long as you can sell it, uh, you'll sell it. What would you say a rough expectancy of number quantity? Just a just a rough 
I know they vary drastic. Yeah, I mean, oh, a small one. High care. You'll be what able you to typically pull, see. You'll be able to pull several thousand. Okay, oh, wow. Just to give me an idea, because yeah. I, I don't know if it's yeah. hundreds or thousands. Yeah, it's yeah. not um, some fiberglass molds. Those, gosh, those deteriorate after twenty pulls. Wow. Um, you know, so it just it depends on the material sure. and the size of the mold and all those different things. But you mm-hmm. know, ideally, what you want to say is that the market uh, d- d- dissipates before. Yeah, right. Before <laughs> the mold does. Yeah. You you want to pay off the mold sure. before yes. people don't want to buy the aircraft. <laughs> yes. And and uh, yeah, that's and, the ultimate goal. The, yeah. Obviously, before the mold deteriorates, because making another is uh, yeah not fun. And that's yeah. not that I'm picking on. And if you have a really good one, do you make multiple molds for like things that produce well for marketing, or does um, one usually handle all? Always? Hopefully, just you hope just one, because you just run it around the clock or something if need be exactly. or something. Okay, yeah, yeah. And like I was gonna say, I, I love Horizon. I have nothing against them, but man, sometimes they pull, they grab an airplane and it's out for a year and it, then it disappears. You're like, what are you doing? You know, I'm what do like, they do with their molds? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That that I don't know. Um, we're partners with Horizon, and, and I th- I think they're they've done wonderful things for the hobby. Um, yeah, there are a couple of birds that I wish were still around. I mean, yes, they're, they're like P thirty eight, Spitfire. Sometimes they've done the reissues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, by the mold. Yeah. Some, sometimes they do reissues. Um, sometimes they, they tweak the molds and, and come out with something new. Um, it's not just the mold. It's not just the market appetite, right? There are a lot of other factors behind marketing of RC aircraft. We can mm-hmm. say for another podcast, again, the detail <laughs> oh, of yeah. capital decisions, right? Mm-hmm. Command decisions, when you're going to sell what, when you're right. going to restrict supply. Yeah. Um, I think we all agree as hobbyists, we all want to be able to have access to what we want to fly when we want to fly it. From the manufacturer side, it's difficult to predict sometimes. Right. Yeah. We've had, we had long discussion with, I don't know if you're familiar with, but uh, a good friend of the show is Matt Andron from Horizon. And uh, yeah. we always pick his brain quite a bit <laughs> on this stuff. Yeah. Like, Matt, what are you doing? He's like, yeah, I know. It's not my decision <laughs> that, you know. So. Ask him to bring back the uh, Parkstone Archer. That's, uh, that's one of my faves. Oh, really? The Archer? It's, su- it's such a simple aircraft. But uh-huh. There's, I, maybe I just had a good experience. I love it. And that's the other thing I need to recognize is when people say, I love that airplane, why doesn't X manufacturer bring it back? Mm-hmm. Or X distributor just get this thing, get more more of it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes maybe I'm the exception. Maybe exactly. I'm the only guy who loves the Parkstone Archer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, maybe, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Man, you know, we always uh, harass Matt. And again, everybody's heard this from me a million times, but I always pushing it. You know, we, or I should say at least me and I think Andre too, we love the belly landers and we're always pushing Matt like the, the Wildcat or the P51 BL or they had the BF 109. Like I'd like to see those come back. You know, they're they're simple. You can throw them in the car. They're not that big. Yeah, they got enough scale to where they look great. You know, in the air, they fly fantastic. They fly on, you know, an 1800 or even a 2200 three-cell. Yeah. And they're so much fun to get them. You know, they're cheap. 
and we're always like matt you got to get back on these you know they're shorter smaller park flyer belly landers they're fantastic and you know one of our big problems is too is we also love the big high wing uh trainers with the giant wheels and we don't have a where we fly and even where andre flies we don't have a great nice smooth long runway runway. you know we got parking lots and stuff and a lot of the other places we go and fly that you know it's just grass there's yeah. nothing cut or whatever and where we want to you know take our warbirds out with the bells and whistles and the flaps and the landing gear and everything and that we, takes a lot yeah. of ducted jets and stuff out of my options because i don't sure. have that asphalt exactly and everyone you see has the landing gear which, right but now now with these newer ones coming out it's it's enticing yeah belly landing ones where you know have. we can throw our our warbirds you know uh, in the car the belly landers the b50 or the p51 or the f5 and take them with us anywhere we want to go and hand launch them and you know land them in the grass and we love that aspect that they're more you know it's more versatile but matt's like hey yeah. i agree i love the belly landers but you know what's selling right, right now yeah. is everything with the bells and whistles yeah. people want all the yeah. bells and whistles yeah it, we try to meet the customer where they're at that's, right. that's critical right it's difficult to say you follow us we mm-hmm. want to go where they're at mm-hmm. and so there are market trends people definitely want the bells and whistles but i still think that like like we like we've been talking about, there are still season and environment appropriate aircraft. If right. you mm-hmm. just don't have that runway, the yeah. belly lander, that yep. wildcat was mm-hmm. was so hugely popular. Yeah. Um, the Stinger sixty four hugely popular because bells and whistles aside, uh, sometimes you just want to f- you yes. don't want to be limited or constrained by your access to a runway. You just want to go fly. We've yes. all had that itch, right? Right. Gotta fly something today, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Belly landers are that's those yeah. are the aircraft. Those are the fly anywhere, go anywhere airplanes. Exactly, I agree, hundred percent. You know, so all right, I think we've. Uh, <laughs> our, wait, everybody listening, we're going to get to it right now. So, um, I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could just I talk too much. Anyway, all right, let's jump into it. Let's uh, reveal what you guys coming out now. My understanding, I could be wrong, but this is not like a pre-order or it's coming down the road. This is coming out very soon. Correct. This yeah. product. Correct. So, so we've got a bit of a surprise for for the holidays. Um, last week in Thanksgiving, we announced the B twenty four. Right. Epic. Big. 2,000 millimeter wingspan, yeah, big, big old aircraft, right? For the Warbird pilots, talking about guys who want bells and whistles, that's mm-hmm. got everything. Um, now, at the same time, we recognize a lot of the country's cold weather, windy weather, snow. Thank you, Andre. I don't, I don't know. Are you, are you digging out of ten feet or what is it? it three meters? No, not yet. But boy, is it coming. <laughs> My dad it's said there's going to be some abnormally cold cold temperatures coming our way oh great i mean like ridiculously low great for us in our area here in ohio (laughs) great a lot of us see a lot of us we're gonna we're not gonna have access to those runways so for the holidays as we head into christmas um we're announcing a second 64 millimeter park jet people may ask well you just announced an f8 (laughs) and delivered that six weeks ago well, exactly. You know, it's it's the season for those smaller aircraft. We'll have the big bells and whistles coming around shortly. But um, especially spurred on by the success of the F-8, we knew in advance, we really hoped in advance, that people would, for all the reasons we talked for the past hour and a half, would, would jump onto 
more of this size to sort of bring back the Park Flyer uh, series. Um, and and so with that, we've introduced this super this this sixty four millimeter sport scale series. Mm-hmm. You talk about Chris how how nicely the F eight looks and sort of the scale details. Yep. Um, and the shape and all those sorts of things. We're doing that with what I can now announce is a new series. The F8 wasn't just, for our listeners out there, the F8, surprise, surprise, wasn't just um, our first 64 millimeter in three years. It was the relaunch of, a, of, of getting back to, the, to those aircraft. Um, while in the past four years we've had a lot of 80 and 90 millimeter jets, and we're still going to continue to make those at the same clip. So for all of you big jet guys, don't worry. Leave me alone on the forums. Don't worry. Those are coming. If you don't want the big jet that or the small jet, that's okay. Listen to the next podcast. But uh, for, for the guys who want the small stuff and especially recognizing the, the need to bring in more pilots, um, more prop guys, more of you, Mike. I need more mics to come into yes. where we're, we're, we're relaunching the 64-millimeter series. The series is going to be, I'm going to talk a little bit about the, the details of the series, and then I'll tell you about the plane. The series is 64 millimeter, a few standardized things, 64 millimeter size. They're all going to be 3S. Uh, they're all going to use the same motor, same ESC, so all uh, similar parts, same servos. And we're going to be alternating basically 50% uh, American aircraft, Mm. And fifty percent uh, European aircraft, or, or or not American aircraft. Wow. Uh, we want to nice. we want to get more of the British aircraft, more of the Russian aircraft, uh, uh, more Soviet air aircraft, more German aircraft. I was, I was just going to ask that because I look at your thing and you just have the two MiG fifteens, right? So I was yep. like, where are the aggressors? <laughs> exactly. There's in that 64 millimeter class, because that 64 millimeter class was really launched several years ago when the core business of the companies making them was in the United States. Mm. Um, now the, the market for this size of electric foam airplane has grown internationally. And so we we want to we want to pay that forward and not just continue to make American aircraft for this size. So the first two are Americans, but the ones coming after aren't going to be. And the idea with not just having standardized servos and power plants, et cetera, et cetera, is we really want to, we really want to choose unstandard aircraft. We only really want to choose the aircraft that haven't been done before. If they're really popular in smaller sizes, like we talked about earlier about that 64 millimeter F-86 becoming the 80 millimeter F-86, this is sort of where that pot would be. If if that F8 is really popular, we'll probably make a bigger one. Um, mm-hmm. So so this is that's the data that I get to get from this from this uh, initiative is to see what people would really like. And we think some of the aircraft are maybe going to be a little too out there. And almost all of these will never have been done in foam electric before. Some of them probably won't really tickle a lot of people's fancy. Some of them maybe will find a wellspring of interest. So, with that, exciting stuff. I'm, I'm happy to announce uh, the world's very first foam electric F105D Thunder Chief. Sweet. Now, for those not 
familiar. The Thunder Chief, when it came out uh, in the, for, for the Vietnam War, that aircraft was the largest and the fastest uh, fighter aircraft that we had. Um, this aircraft has a huge history for viewers now going to the website or just Googling F-105 Thunder Chief. This aircraft um, was called Project Mashat, and I'll get into that for a reason. But we continue to re- refer to the aircraft as a relentless one. Get back into the backstory of the F-105 Thunder Chief as an aircraft that that served, frankly, I don't really understand why it hasn't been mass-produced yet, probably because the ducting is a terror. But, um, but the aircraft deserves a story to be told. We really believe that. It's difficult to model in a larger size and the investment to start. But in this smaller part flyer size, it's easy to toss that um, that high-mounted wing and that 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 Coke bottle fuselage is, is mm-hmm. practical for, for operation. And it tells a story. Um, high losses in the war, it served as a as a ground attack aircraft, as a high-speed interceptor, and ultimately was was really optimized in the wild weasel role or anti-SAM. Uh, role where it was first in, last out was, was the byline for 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 those uh, air units. They're the first ones in when all the SAM sites were live, um, and they're the last ones out when all the SAM sites were dead. So, as a dedication to those pilots, we're making the Thunder Chief. Um, the project is called Mike Machat. Uh, project Machat. I want to get into this a little, a little briefly mm-hmm. because uh, the namesake of the project Mashat is Mike Mashat. Mike Mashat for all of us googling right now, <laughs> he is he is one of the world's most premier aviation artists. Uh, in the 50s, his uncle George Hildebrand, uh, he headed the Republic's he headed Republic's human factors and escape systems groups. Basically, he's designing jets. Uh, ejection seats for for jets. Um, the XR12 Rainbow, the F40 F84 series uh, Matt's Mike's uncle was designing these aircraft at Republic, and Mike's uncle George designed the ejection seat for which aircraft for the F-105. And it's a neat story in that Mike, one of our customers, and his friend Tony Curso and Evelyn, both of whom are are are, are wonderful cus- members of our customer family, um, who put us in contact with Mike. And when Mike was a kid in 1956 it was his uncle george called him little chief <laughs> um it's because mike it's because mike really loved fire fire engines not first nations not indians chiefs but but fire engines and uh and as the story goes his uncle george submitted within the company of republic submitted his call sign that he had given to his nephew you know chief uh, for the name of, of the new aircraft that, that they were designing at the time. It was the F-105. Now, Republic had a history of naming its aircraft with thunder. You know, Lockheed mm-hmm. has Star, Starfighter, mm-hmm. except Douglas has Sky, Skyhawk, Sky Warrior. Uh, people know the Navy for from, from all the Grumman aircraft with cats, right? Tomcat, Tiger Cat, etc. Mm-hmm. Well, Republic used thunder. We all know the P-47 Thunderbolt. Some of us may know the F-84 Thunderjet, uh, the Thunder Streak, the Thunder Flash. Well, when it came time to name the F-105, they named it the Thunder Chief after Mike Machat. So the neat 
thing about my job is we can highlight those stories and those customers like Tony who are trying to keep Mike Michaud's story alive and make that connection to now an aircraft that people can buy again for $99 and go up and fly. And the best thing I think about the aircraft as of this podcast is that we sort of fibbed. Um, this aircraft is in the same container as the B-24, and it's going to be here in, in just about a month or so. Oh, so okay. When viewers are hearing this and we're announcing the pre-order on, on Friday the 2nd and thereafter, uh, they're going to be able to put down $99 for an aircraft that is already on the water. This isn't something that we're showing pictures of and we'll ship it to you later mm -hmm. in three months or five months. Gotcha. This isn't something that we're producing. We've already produced a very large quantity and made that quantity investment because we believe in this aircraft. We believe in the series and we believe that uh, most importantly, it'll get more people into the park flyer class and then be able to jump into the big jets. I'm sure there's a lot of my current customers who were thinking I was going to announce an, uh, an F-22 or something or, a, or, or whatever. There are all these big aircraft people want. But uh, we believe in this class uh, to get more of your friends, guys, all you big scale jet guys, more of your friends flying aircraft so that we can all get to the big stuff eventually. So I have a question then. So was your was your F eight your test bed just to see, or did you basically you know have both of these in you know in, in your cap ready to go? And you were you know did did you produce more of the Thundercat uh, uh, you know chief? Oh, you know, or how did that all work out for you? Um, yeah, I can confirm now that we did both. Uh, we did both at the same time. Um, because it comes down to we believe in what we're doing, we're, mm -hmm. we, we're confident in our assessments, uh, we believe in what our customers are asking for. Um, online on forums, it isn't always obvious, but, but forums are a fraction of, of our market, um, yeah. 5% five, 5 or less actually, far less. Mm. It's like if we talk about actual numbers of customers, we're, we're well under a tenth of a of one percent. Um, wow. It's a it's a it's a verbal group. It's it's an interactive group, and, and we we love them. We love interacting with them, but but our data set is much larger, and we want to we recognize that there was a desire uh, for these aircraft. So instead of making one, we made two, and uh, and we we staggered them out, and we really want to hit it with a one-two punch with American aircraft, and yeah. we have plans to roll out the the uh, the series with with non-american aircraft hmm. um i have a question for you uh, correct me if i'm wrong but i think the f8 crusader actually has a small little pilot figure in there um why no pilot figure in the 105 Did oh we, we lost him oh that's what that funky noise was huh no problem we'll get him right back yeah we lost them. Hopefully. That was odd. Got a funny little... Uh, yeah, like... Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Maybe. I also have another fun fact when uh, we get Alpha on that I actually just... You know, I was researching the 105 a little bit, reading about the history and, you know, it being used in the Vietnam War 
and uh, they had a really cool fact that I no idea. So we, I'm sure Alpha probably knows if he did some research um, on it. Are you showing the pictures to Mike? Oh, there he is. He's oh, yeah. okay. He read, uh, he's coming back. You can probably reprompt him. Okay. I mean, he'll probably dial back in once his connection reestablishes. Oh, I think he's back. Oh, there he is. Hey. My laptop battery died. Oh. oh. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> Yeah. Go ahead and ask your. Uh, okay, so um, I was curious. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think the F8 Crusader has a pilot figure in there, but I've noticed in the pictures the F or the F105 does not. Is there a reason behind that? Gosh, you guys are really astute. Um, <laughs> you know there there is a reason, and. Um, I'll talk a, a little bit about it. We've recently, with the B24, announced 3D printed uh, sort of yeah. upgrade detail parts. Right. Um, we're going to be exploring that more with the with with all of our aircraft. But at the time that the Thunder Chief was being developed, we we thought, well, let's size it for an FPV camera. Oh. Um, so not that we recommend actually flying the aircraft <laughs> FPV. <laughs> it's a, it's not as easy as people think. Um, but to be recording flights and or to be watching it in playback if someone's in the goggles while you're flying, mm-hmm. it's a pretty neat view. Um, and we're going to have pilot sets and cockpit sets and sort of a camera holder for that ah. F-105 and for the F-8. So, um, so that's sort of the fun part of these aircraft to reintroduce, reintroduce the aircraft themselves and try to bring over from other categories in the hobby, you know, some of the things that they're enjoying. Wow. Um, before we, uh, we lost you there, Alpha also us, uh, or as when we did lose you, I was telling Andre and Mike, I, I found a little fun fact. I did a little research on the one Oh five cause I really didn't know much about it. I mean, I knew the aircraft, but I was reading some of the history on it and everything. And the fact I learned today, and I'm sure Alpha, you did a lot of research on the one Oh five and I already know this, but it really hit me. I was like, man, I can't believe I didn't know this was, uh, Mike, everybody knows the old crow P 51, uh, flown by Bud Anderson. Actually, Bud Anderson had, uh, flew the F-105 and named it the Old Crow 2. And he flew it in 1970 in the Vietnam War and did 25 missions in the F-105. That blew I was like, what? How did I not That's know awesome. that? Yep. Yeah, and the uh, the color scheme, actually, with these smaller aircraft, they're they're coming applied with, with decals. People mm-hmm. don't need to, to do all that. But our good friend Callie, she's got a bunch of decal sets, and, nice. and Colonel Anderson, being a friend of, of mine and a friend of the company, we've got his uh, his aircraft as well. Uh, models. Ah. There's a decal set if people want to depict uh, depict the Colonel's F-105. Wow. Now you mentioned that this this aircraft, especially in a larger scale, would be a bear to to, to produce and to manufacture because of those intakes. Talk us through some of the challenges of actually because I'm looking the at the intakes are on the of, wing, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, and I'm looking at the photo, you know, with it sitting beside the 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 F eight, and it is quite a striking departure from the F eight <laughs> style of intake and everything. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that aircraft uh, was a departure from all types of intakes. The the F one hundred five has this uh, again this this wing mounted um, type of blended uh, blended intake, 
but it has these chines that sh- that stick so far forward that just <laughs> they are not friendly to aerodynamics. They're not friendly to air at this size. So it was a big challenge. What we ultimately end up doing is we we tweaked the inlet here and there. Um, and she sized the wing up just a little bit. From the side, it's really important, I think, to maintain the the visual scale fidelity of the aircraft. It, it needs to look, and again, as we talked about earlier, it needs to feel like a Thunder Chief. Mm-hmm. Um, just because it's smaller than a, than a big one doesn't mean that it shouldn't be approximately the same shape. So a lot of the design, we, we, we identified what we did not want to change. And then we built the aircraft within those constraints around the power plant itself. So right off the bat, all EDFs will will have will tend to have wider uh, exit nozzles than their real counterparts, um, just because the way sizing works. And so the back end, the, the EDF is a little taller, uh, but we were able to test that we didn't need massive guppy intakes to to feed the fan adequately. Um, we were able to to keep more or less the scale uh, the scale feel of the of the main intakes, and then we added, as as uh, as Mike pointed out, we, we added cheaters. We added sort of NACA style, uh, semi style cheaters on the sides, just in front of the EDF. So those uh-huh. supplemental ducts feed the fan and give it give it a lot of static thrust for your hand launch. Again, hand launch being the most critical phase of the aircraft next to landing. Um, it's got the pep to to ingest air and get out of your hand and accelerate. But at the same time, when you're at speed, the, the frontal area of the aircraft is still relatively small because those scale intakes are still pretty small. And the way the cheaters are designed, they're not, they're not sticking out into the wind. They're, mm. they're flush to the fuselage. So mm-hmm. if you look, if you held the aircraft and looked at it straight on you and look at the frontal cross-section, you wouldn't, you wouldn't see those, those cheaters. So you, uh. get, you sort of get the, the, the best and, and almost best a compromise between both worlds Gosh, and visually, uh, it was finding uh, that balance to get the aircraft as it is what do you think Vis- of that, visually Mike? they look like teeth or fangs for yeah the air. i, I mean, it looks so it might yeah, not be flight flight friendly but boy visually it looks, looks good, it looks it? it looks it looks wicked it looks mean yes it yeah. looks like an like it's gonna go and attack yeah. <laughs> i mean just yeah. barreling forward like that that's awesome yeah it's it's a it's a big imposing aircraft. I mean, there were off the top of my head, there were like twenty thousand sorties flown. I mean, these guys were in the air a lot. Um, they lost almost four hundred aircraft, and which is a really high loss rate. And and the aircraft would carry so many so many bombs. I want to say it had, uh, gosh, it's definitely over four tons. It was it was about ten thousand pounds. Um, it could carry it. Let's see, it's sixteen hard points, and they're seven fifties. So whatever sixteen times seven hundred fifty is, right? The aircraft could carry so much ordnance, um, and yet at the same time, it was a Mach one capable aircraft. So if when you cleaned it up, it would be fast, and yet so the provenance of the aircraft is so I think so important to try to translate the feel of the aircraft. We want people to look at that model. And if you saw a picture of it flying on the sky, which you can see at motionrc.com on the product page right now, is it'd probably be a little difficult to tell, is that a real aircraft or not? Mm-hmm. Um, is it, is it, how big is it? 
you'll probably tell that it's not real, but but how big is it? It's difficult to tell because I think we accomplished the main goal of wanting it to feel like a Thunder Chief. It feels like it looks really fast, and yet if you load it down with ordnance, it would feel like it like it looked right at home. And that's that's no credit to us. It's a credit to Republic and the designers of that British aircraft design, who just yeah. visually that is a striking, striking aircraft. A Coke bottle fuselage, a really narrow and, and steep sweeping vertical, um, a fin up on the bottom towards the rear, and just and those intakes. It's nothing nothing looks like an F one oh five. Yeah. I I've agree. been wanting to do one for years. <laughs> so how long did it take to, to do this initial build up? I mean, was this a you know, is this a year one year build? Is this a six month or is this a two year kind of thing? Yeah, this one was about um, almost a year and a half. Wow. wow. It's, it's shorter than some of the other ones, but um, but yeah, it's there's a lot of time that goes into these. We can we can crank them out in, in, in a couple of months and get to the prototype phase, but there's, there's a world that happens before people mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. these aircraft. There's, oh, a, there's, yeah. a, there's an industry, right? There's an entire industry of, of people who go to college to to do this type of thing and um, an entire world out there they're not designed willy-nilly I think that's that's yeah. another tenet of, of, of my RC gospel is that there is so much more to what we're flying both in real life history and to the, the practicality and the logistics behind creating that model and getting it into our hands there's so much more than, than we can see we don't need to see all of it um, no. but I hope that people just appreciate it and just didn't know there's a lot of there's a lot of blood, sweat, and tears in, into what goes into what we uh, what we put in the air. What do you think, Mike? You want one? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Come on, Mike. And actually, Mike, you know, you're um, for for people now listening who are going to try and figure out oh, what we're going to make next. Self, so they're making more. Mm-hmm. Is um, is we're trying to make these aircraft while we're selecting ones that have never done, been done before because we want to we want to set the curve, um, not just stay ahead of it. Is is aircraft that that still fly well, um, right. and f- aircraft lend themselves to all of those characteristics that I just realized we talked like an hour about, <laughs> but um, all those characteristics that make sixty four millimeter park flyer hand toss jets you know fun and easy to operate and accessible to. To, to guys looking to get into just like Mike, we're looking for real aircraft and subject matter that fit that sort of mold. Um, the Thunder Chief is a great one because while it looks super fast and and maybe hard to handle, the reality is is that high wing, um, yeah. the high straight, it's it, it immediately goes into the upper categories as far as accessible flyers for a mm-hmm. 64. It just becomes something is new and looks sharp and looks fast. Doesn't mean it's going to be difficult. Um, we went through, in full disclosure, a couple of different aircraft that we tried, and and they just they were cool, but we knew that not everyone was going to be able to jump into them and fly them as easily as we wanted them. Um, this class is about ease of flight, and so so yeah, Mike, if you're looking That's at awesome. something like this, I wouldn't I wouldn't um, I wouldn't hesitate in saying for guys looking for a first jet. Consider the Thunder Chief. Sweet, yeah. Um, but all the bells and whistles. I really that, appreciate you personalizing it for me because it entices me even more. So <laughs> Just, <laughs> it's awesome to share all that I'll put, information. I'll, I'll sign your name on it and send it to you. <laughs> there you go. There you go, man. Awesome. Yeah. 
quick question, looking at this, and my mind was racing again. Have you guys done any experimentation uh, on this on the smaller series like this with vectored thrust to try to make them uh, fly more friendly? You know, it's like going into a nice bank and a little bit of vectored thrust or or anything mm-hmm. like that, or is it just make it too wild and crazy? Yeah, the uh, so flight envelope is is super important, right? It's f- as a consideration for design, um, it's it's critical that we make the aircraft flyable and accessible. You're right in that it needs to be maneuverable because mm-hmm. maneuverability means getting out of bad situations. Um, with with TV though, with with thrust vectoring, especially in this size, we found it didn't materially add to the experience. Mm. If anything, it it, it that potential um, exacerbated trouble. stalls, for example. Yeah, it yeah. it would when you're talking about adding a little bit to the roll. Mm-hmm. That means it's going to roll twice now instead of half the yeah. time. So, <laughs> so it's just it added too much. And also, when we talk about cost and, and mm-hmm. accessibility, we wanted to keep the price right. under a hundred dollars to your door. Right. Um, what we've done with these aircraft is really simplified their their control surfaces so the elevator and the ailerons are actually tied together on on either side oh. and they operate like elevons you're kidding yeah same thing like like the f8 that mm-hmm. aircraft only yeah. uses two servos mm-hmm. there's some people who who wanted to maybe have since uh, uh disconnected those and they're flying tailoron only or they're flying uh, elevator with with aileron on separate channels but most people are operating them stock because again they realize that as is the aircraft flies, flies the best. Yeah, it flies the best. It, it flies exactly uh, as we intended, and so they'll leave it like that. The F one hundred five is like that as well, and probably the other aircraft. Keep them simple. Keep them standoff scale. Keep them cheap. Yeah, so we do that. So do that. You're just basically you're hooking into one servo on each side of the wing, but where the elevator and where the uh, ailerons connect is staged on the servo arm. Yes. Yeah, and your your mind is, is <laughs> jiving. So, so yes, the the elevator control rod and the aileron control rod both intersect in a, in a larger hole in a single servo in the same servo's servo arm, and the geometries are configured. And obviously, the, the servo's location is such that the aircraft um, it rolls. Think of it like a like an elevon aircraft, like you're up Terra, mm-hmm. right? Yep. You're up Terra. You, you bank left. Uh, the left aileron, when standing behind the aircraft, goes up. When you bank right, the right goes up. When you pull back to give back pressure to, to climb, yeah, both of those come. surfaces oh, nice. go up. Okay, mm-hmm. I understand. So, yeah, yeah. so it's it's that setup. It's just so imagine that those surfaces moving corresponding to your inputs, but now it's the elevator and the wing. Yeah. So it's so, see, it, yeah. Uh, you get away with a smaller like on your ailerons, you get away with this. Yeah, brilliant. You're basically getting away with a smaller wing surface, but ma- but essentially doubling your control surfaces. Smart. Damn. Yeah. So <laughs> while at the same time going from two servos to uh, four servos to two yeah. and yeah. reducing your hardware. So yeah, so, making you know, it lighter. You're wow. you're cutting everything by half. Yep. Right. Without now, if if that would have sacrificed how the aircraft flew, and there's mm-hmm. some yeah. that we've tried that did. You know that doesn't work. We're going to have to split the surfaces, but um, we're trying to keep these in a, at a certain economy design for guys who don't want to spend 120, right? You know, or 130. And where does it end? Then you're at 
then you're buying my $550 810, you know. <laughs> you, yeah. like <laughs> you know, we had this uh, conversation a few podcasts ago. Uh, was, you know, Andre kind of knows there for a while. I was in a phase several years ago where I'd buy an airplane, and before I even took it out of the box and fly it, I was already upgrading. Bigger motor, bigger prop, bigger ESC, blah, blah, blah. And and that was before I even flew it, you know. So then we have a, a bigger battery, and I'd take it out, and I'd fly it. And, yeah, it would do 100 miles an hour, but it kind of flew like crap. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, the airplane's okay, stuff, you know. And finally, you know, I got older wiser i guess is like you know these designers make they spend a lot of time yes. and energy to figure out the perfect yeah. system you're, so, you're not yeah. going to improve right. on it with your, right. with it's like ability. just because i put a bigger motor and a bigger prop and a bigger battery it's not going to fly better so uh, i'm yeah. definitely learning when i get a new plane to Take fly the recommendations just fly yeah. from the manufacturer and fly it just go out and Enjoy fly it and have it, yeah. a good time and learn the characteristics of you know why they they set it up like yeah. this and get the feel of it then maybe slowly okay maybe i'll put a Tweak bigger or prop or a little bigger mode yeah and then see something. what it what it does or how it changes the characteristics so i'm really yeah. starting to appreciate the uh you know the, especially talking to a lot of you guys of the product developers a year and a half and yeah develop. exactly I mean, there's, there's some it's work like here, yeah i'm like <laughs> it was almost like these guys don't they're know what they're doing why would they put a 480 you know it needs a power 15 you know what are they doing yeah. with people like you flies great you know with a six cell why a three cell? you know i just yeah, well, but, for the 12s uh, guy with the fun jet you know they're, they're, there are always people like that, and there should be. I mean, we celebrate people who want to tinker, and but but you're right, and I think it's wise to to give you know give the developers a chance. Mm -hmm. um, fly at stock, yes. And if you want to start changing things, we're talking about EDFs. Um, you know, learn about changes with a propeller airplane. I I think we all put a power ten, power fifteen, power twenty five on our T twenty eight. Right, you know, right, we exactly. Sort of, we went to Moto Calc. We we looked on RC yeah. groups. We we found sort of people who would say, "Don't do that. It's going to rip things off." Mm. Or, or this one's okay. We did that research. We should have learned what the aircraft could take. Right. The same the same mentality I think could and should be applied to upgrading anything in life, but especially these little EDF jets. Um, when people say, I want to go faster, so I'm going to put in more power, uh, I always say, well, let, let's check that. You know, look at the aircraft, whichever one, let's look at the Thunder Chief. If you look at the, you learn about ducting. If you learn about, if yeah. you look at the size of the aircraft's ducts and the size of its outlet um, and, the, and, the, and the distance between and all the other factors, then you can actually, you can know pretty much, well, if I put, more power in it will that translate or how much uh will that translate to to output on the back end then you can actually be able to predict if the aircraft will take that or not and there are aircraft which you can yeah you can put an eight cell in it and it'll go super super fast and the airframe will take it and it'll still have good wing loading and some aircraft they don't have they don't have the battery space they don't have the mm -hmm. ducting you can put a you can put a 12 cell battery in that airplane, but uh, but it will not go any faster than it would at six because the duct because the, the fan yeah. can't take enough air in it. So if people, if I saw more of that, if people uh, understanding what they were doing before they did it, then I think I think that's great. There are a lot of sort of engineers in our customer family who will go in and they'll say, well, 
if I want to go faster, then I need to change. And they'll list all the things, and I'm like, you're absolutely right. You're going to change the ducting. You're going to change all the things that I put in it to make it fly as it did on the stock system. You're going to change the ducting because you know mm-hmm. you need more air. Yeah. You're going to choke down the back end because you know you want more efflux. I mean, they're sort of articulating all the things that they need. And I think that that information, that knowledge is accessible to everyone. We just need to yeah. learn what it is about our aircraft. And for me, again, as a developer type guy, I, I love those conversations. Mm-hmm. But as someone who's interested in, in warranties and and just <laughs> the enjoyment, the simplicity yeah. of enjoyment, I'm confident you can buy that Thunder Chief, you can buy anything on our website and fly it out of the box and be pleased with it and it'll be safe. Yeah. And then you can think about how you're gonna hack it up. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. No. Have, that's our one joke, like manuals. That's just someone's suggestion. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. They're more like they're more like guidelines. Exactly. Yeah. We don't need that. You just throw that on the yeah. box. Right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> speaking of that though, I'm I'm curious when you do your um testing as far as uh airframe is, is there any times to where you know say you throw you do throw a four cell in it and cut a bunch of cheater holes in it and you know really crank the thing up not for flight characteristics but just as far as airframe durability you know somebody you know uh doing i don't know 120 in a dive and then pulling straight up and pulling you know 10 g's in a foam airplane do you do any kind of yeah. testing like that just to see what the airframe will take yeah, we we test we call them maxes. We we test for maxes. Mm-hmm. It's more that we do it on uh, on eighty and ninety millimeter aircraft. It, those aircraft have uh, they're heavier wing loading. They have landing gear and lights and and all the bells and whistles, as we say. Um, so we really need to see the limit at, that the aircraft can can handle weight, um, the servos, control surfaces, the hinges, right? All the things that come into play for the aircraft. Uh, physically, as far as the structural integrity, we try to test the maxes of them. Mm-hmm. Um, when it stalls, how can it recover? Uh, what are those characteristics? What's the max weight? Uh, can the servos take a straight down dive at full blast? Right. All these different types of things. And we use onboard sensors, of course, to, to calculate that information oh, wow. real time and then on the back end. For the smaller aircraft, we mount we mount small FPV cameras to check, for example, a surface deflection Flex, to make yeah. sure that a servo isn't working too crazily or whatnot. You want a little bit of flex in the surfaces so that the ride is supple mm-hmm. and not super hard, uh, and that isn't translated into the gear train of the servos. But yeah, we, we test maxes for for all the aircraft in that sense. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw a 6S in this Thunder Chief, but we have <laughs> tested on 4S. Yeah, you know we know that we'll take. We know that it'll take those things. Um, our manufacturer recommendations are still where we believe the aircraft sits at the best midpoint between all the competing um, factors of speed and cost and weight and, and whatnot. But, yeah, sure, it can go faster um, if people need to. And, of course, your warranty's voided, and we encourage people, well, you got to check first. Because <laughs> when we say 4S, when we say faster, what does that mean? Right? Uh, uh, the certain power systems on the same voltage will will produce different power and where does your esc go now because now it's bigger and now it's blocking air how are you going to fit that bigger battery in there all the other things people need to really think about um uh you need to decide if that's really worth you know buying yourself another 10 percent of airspeed 
<laughs> crazy, crazy question. Speaking of design and everything, do you guys have? Do you ever use like a, a wind tunnel, or is it just throw the thing in the air and see how she flies? Um. Yeah, we use it's a it's a good question. Yeah, I won't ask you to edit this part out, but um, I, I will say that for, for competitive reasons, I'm the kind of guy, and we've built the kind of team that is not content with putting our names on anything that we don't know is going to operate within a certain envelope, which isn't going to be something that's safe and reliable. Um, Nothing's perfect, but if I can keep fair rates under, you know, a hundredth of a percent or so, I'm happy. <laughs> um, and we we use every tool at our disposal to make sure that that happens. Mm. Um, we Reynolds numbers don't scale, obviously, so we check all that. We um, we have a lot of tools from airfoils and whatnot. I th- I think maybe some of the differences people have noticed in our aircraft. This is gratifying, I think, for me to see privately. I don't talk a lot about it publicly. Is is it's nice to see people um, observing the characteristics of the aircraft that we produce, and and sort of knowing that ah, that's because we did that one thing, and that one that other one that we tested, they would not have said that. You know, they wouldn't have said that aircraft lands well or the stall characteristic is really docile. They wouldn't have said those things if we had. If we hadn't, if we had done the first iteration, we nice. talked about it last time, right? I mean, so yeah. many different, uh, so many different iterations potentially of an aircraft. We we release it when it's right. It doesn't matter how how long it takes. We'll yeah. we'll wait until it's right. Nice. Thank you for that. Sure. Wow. Anything? Any other questions about Mike? Andre, anything else? Man, I think we've covered a ton of stuff here. We said this was going to be a short one. I know. It was a short one. Yeah. Maybe next yeah. time, it'll three hours now. It's two. Maybe we'll get a solid hour. Yeah. <laughs> Whittle them down. Wow. Well, that's great. There you have it, folks. The new F-105 Thunder Chief by Motion RC. Uh, get your pre-order. Should be out roughly in a month. Uh, and uh, I mean, it's awesome. I'm, I'm like ex- generally mo- way more excited again talking with Alpha and learn. What about you, oh, Mike? Great to hear the like you're anti jet, you're anti like yeah, ah. anti jet guy. So, I mean, <laughs> are, is this something you think that you you would like to try? I know I say that a lot, but I have a feeling I'll be getting one. really, I, yes, nice. I really do. I'm not even. So I'm jealous. You I guys, just gotta figure out how to get shipping. like my wife doesn't know. Yeah, that's, uh, this, I'm this is to, small, Mike. Mike, yeah. yeah. I borrowed it from Chris. Yeah, it's yeah. Chris's airplane. Yeah. Trust me. Okay, and, <laughs> then she's gonna say, "Don't crash it." <laughs> yeah. yeah, don't even fly it. Yeah. she doesn't like. She won't let me fly. She's like, "Don't fly things you can't pay for. Or drive things you like." When I it's drove there. that guy's vet, do not. You drove a guy's vet. What are you thinking? We can't afford that. You hit a deer or something. Come on. <laughs> Sometimes uh, it's easier to ask for forgiveness. It's tough both ways for me. I'll tell you. <laughs> I just deal with the punishment. I'll uh, throw one more thing in there for you, uh, for you, Mike. Is that these days with we have an admiral receiver on our website as well, specifically catered to guys who want to get into the hobby in general, but they're really helpful in jets. Mm-hmm. Uh, the admiral receiver. We have got a couple different ones, but um, but. 
they use the the technology that's very popular from Lemon, and 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 the admiral tech, the admiral receivers are essentially stabilized receivers, mm. um, for nearly the same price as a standard six channel aircraft from other brands that we sell. And also get a six channel receiver that's got onboard stabilization. Uh, what does that mean? Well, not just is it a gyro, as we say, a misnomer in its own right, mm-hmm. but it not only does it have a gyro to keep the aircraft stable and wings level, but it's got the panic button. Oh, so really? Into, yeah, we have we have two different There's ones. orientation this, this, or what something. What we call a six-axis. Yeah, when we're talking about you're 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 about to take a dirt nap. You're you're uh-huh. going down. You're spinning. You don't exactly know you've lost orientation on the aircraft. You press that bail me out button, and the aircraft will level itself out. Awesome. So. I think it's it's the that's the wife convincer. <laughs> the, it's okay, baby girl. Like yeah. I I got this thing too. We uh, press that button and it, it levels out, so it'll never crash. It'll you know it'll never crash. You know, famous last words. <laughs> yeah. So um, so we, we can prove that. But it's one a tool wrong. that at your disposal <laughs> that you, that will help dramatically for sure. Yeah. yeah for sure. Sweet. Well, Alpha, uh, we appreciate you joining us. Yeah, uh, hopefully, maybe, yeah, one of us will get one of these or mic or something, and we can take it out there and really, you know, see what we think of these sixty-four millimeters. Because yes. uh, personally, I haven't flown any any of these, you know, that size sixty-four on. I, I mean, I was kind of pressed because he said his favorite was the F. Was it the F eight? So I was. I don't. I mean, I I want. I want both. <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh well done El- we'll, we'll, well see, done. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> if i can entice we'll you to buy guess. one and then we could just share them that might <laughs> that might work that would be good there you go oh man joint custody yeah yeah, so much, guys. It was yeah. Just, you get it one weekend <laughs> i get it another weekend <laughs> yeah it's, it's always a way to make it work <laughs> oh man well there you have it folks uh the f-105 thunder chief coming out soon uh, stay tuned because it sounds like Alpha's working on some more jets and airplanes. So yeah, uh, the aggressors. That's gonna be yeah. Cool. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking to him here soon. Uh, Alpha yes. again. Thanks for. I mean, it seems like no matter what question we throw at you, I don't care. Somehow you have an answer for it. It's amazing the the knowledge I've learned. You know, the last two times talking to you, I'm I'm blown away. Yes. I mean, it's uh, unbelievable. So we really appreciate you joining us and hanging out and giving all the information to all our listeners. I hope you have as much fun hanging out with us as we do with you because it's uh, very informative yeah, this and is entertaining. A, this is this is great, guys. We love talking about uh, our products and, and any products. We just hope anyone listening goes out and buys buys something and flies, whether it's from Ocean RC or from your local hobby store or wherever you can find it. Though it's Christmas. Though it's the holidays, though it's snowing outside or windy for some of us, we all have the yes. We just want people to fly, so so get out there. You've listened to us long enough. You might as well go fly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. All right, folks. So there you have it. Go check it out. The F one hundred five Thunder Chief. We will be throwing it up on our Facebook and links, uh, yeah. links to everything. You can check it out. We have some photos of it. Uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast. And hope you enjoyed this special RC After Hours Edition podcast. And we will be talking to you very soon. So other than that, we're out of here. We're going to go look at some more pictures. And I can't wait to get this thing out and fly it, I hope, soon. So (laughs) thank you, everyone, for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. See ya. See ya. Bye. I'm going flying. (laughs) 